welcome to the Text and Us podcast. I'm your host, George Fricks, and I'm here with my co-host, L. Grover Fricks, to continue our discussion in Genesis chapter 18. That's right. I'm ready to jump into it if you are. I am ready. Sounds good. All right. Scroll a better sheets. Chapter 18. Here we go. Yahweh was seen by him in the great trees of vision. He was sitting in the opening of the tent in the heat of the day. He lifted his eyes. He looked. Look here, three men were stationed above him. He saw. He ran to call them from the opening of the tent. He bowed himself on the land. He said, My Lord, please, if I have found chen in your eyes, please do not pass from over your servant. Take, please, a little water and wash your feet. Be supported under the tree. May I bring a morsel of bread and sustain your heart. Afterward, pass over, for therefore pass over your servant. They said, Yes, do as you have said. Avraham rushed the tent to Sarah. He said, Rush! Three measures of sifted ground flour, knead, make cakes. Avraham ran to the herd. He took a son of the herd, soft and good. He gave it to the young man. He rushed to do it. He took curds, milk, the son of a herd that he had made. He gave it before them. He stood over them under the tree. They ate. They said to him, Where is Sarah, your woman? He said, Look here, in the tent. He said, Returning, I will return to you around the appointed time of life. Look here, a son to Sarah, your woman. Sarah shamad at the opening of the tent behind him. Avraham and Sarah were old and coming in days. Sarah had ceased to be in the way of women. Sarah laughed within herself to say, After I have been worn out, shall I have luxurious delight? My Lord is old. Yahweh said to Avraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Is it sure that I will birth a child? I am old. Is a thing too miraculous for Yahweh? At the appointed time, I will return to you at the time of life. And Sarah, a son. Sarah lied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, No, for you did laugh. The men arose from there. They leaned out over the face of Sodom. Avraham walked with them to send them. Yahweh said, Am I covering what I am doing from Avraham? Being, Avraham will be a grand and powerful nation. They will be blessed in him, every nation of the earth. For I have experientially known him in order that he may command his sons and his household after him. They will guard the path of Yahweh to do justice and just judgment in order that Yahweh may cause to arrive over Avraham the word that is over him. Yahweh said, The cry of Sodom and Amorah, because it is great, they have very much missed the mark heavily. I would go down, please, and I would see this cry which has come to me that they have made together. If not, I will know. The men turned from there. They walked to Sodom. Abraham was still standing before Yahweh. Abraham drew near. He said, Also will you sweep away the just with the tumultuous? Maybe they have fifty just ones in the midst of the city. Also will you sweep away and not lift the place for the sake of the fifty just ones that are within her belly? 
You would be pierced through to do a thing like this, to kill the just with the tumultuous, that the just would be as the tumultuous. You would be pierced through, judge of all the land. Will you not make just judgment? Yahweh said, If I find in Sodom fifty just ones in the midst of the city, then I will lift all of the place in passing over them. Avraham answered, He said, Look here, please. I have made myself a fool and resolved to speak to my Lord, and I am crushed dust and ashes. Maybe there shall lack five of the fifty just ones. Will you cause the destruction of all the city because of the five? He said, I will not destroy if I find there forty-five. Again, still, he spoke to him to say, Maybe there will be found forty. He said, I will not do this due to the forty. He said, Please, my lord, do not burn with anger, and I will speak. Maybe there may be found thirty. He said, I will not do this if I find there thirty. He said, Look here, please. I have made myself a fool and resolved to speak to my lord. Maybe there shall be found twenty. He said, I will not destroy due to the twenty. He said, Please, my lord, do not burn with anger, and I will speak just once more. Footstep. Maybe there will be found ten. He said, I will not destroy due to the ten. Yahweh walked as he finished speaking to Abraham. Abraham returned to his place. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, I did uh, only split this into two two sections, though. Makes sense. Despite the length, yeah. So uh, the first section is verses 1 through 15, which kind of encapsulates everything that takes place within the tent. And then the second section is... By the trees. uh, Yeah. uh, The second section is 16 through 33, which is after they leave. So um, that is the division that I made for this chapter. Um, Yeah. So in our first section, the first thing that I wanted to mention was the opening uh, in verse one, where it says Yahweh was seen by him. Mm -hmm. Um, And just the fact that it's still this, uh, we kind of talked about in the previous chapter, this idea of Avraham being blessed with the ability to see God. Right. Um, And I think that it's uh, interesting that that's still here. Yahweh was seen by him. He still has this ability to see God, presumably when others do not. Um, And he's still at the trees of vision, which again, interesting. Right. I think it uh, makes sense uh, that this would be the place that he's seeing him if it is the trees of vision. Um, and potentially that gives us a little key to unlock what on earth is going on with these three men. And then, you know, God apparently being at this there at the same time, but it doesn't seem like the men are God because it talks about the three men and then Yahweh speaks. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's hard to say, right? Because it does say three men, but only two go down into the city Mm -hmm. and they only person that presumably stays behind is god so is it god and two men asking the real uh, questions did you find the midrash on uh, Raphael? i did yeah which uh essentially just says that they were uh the angels uh michael Raphael, and gabriel right um which michael came to announce to sarah that she was going to bear a child because that's what michael does uh and Raphael, who 
does not appear in scripture, but it appears in other Jewish manuscripts. Mm-hmm. Um, and Islamic ones. Uh, yeah. Uh, comes to heal Avraham. Right. Rafa means heal. And then Gabriel comes to overturn Sodom. Right. His name is Gever, so the strong, powerful, valiant um, man. So he's usually is the one who shows up to talk about kingdoms being ended and such. Right. Um, so it makes sense. Maybe Raphael stayed with Sarah and Michael and Gabriel went down to Sodom. Yeah, possibly. And But j- overall, just interesting that we have these personifications of characteristics or abilities in these angelic beings. In, right. In, uh, in the Midrash, in the, anyway. Yeah, in the Midrash, uh, in the Jewish tradition. Right, because we've had angels show up in the text by now and used the word for angel, and it could have used that, but it doesn't. It just says men. Yeah, uh, and... Is that like a Avraham saw them as just men or, right? What exactly is the reason behind that designation, right? Why specify men versus angel versus whatever? Right. Well, you know. I'm inclined to say it's just some some bros, but... Right. Well, uh, additionally, uh, what stood out to me about that is that your translation says that they were stationed above him. Right. Which, Taking away from my men theory. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, are they floating? Uh, most translations say that they are in front of him or, or some, you know, not above him, but uh, beyond him, presumably on the ground. But I, I feel like this is more vague and has potentially this floating above him statement. It's weird for sure. So it's the word al, the preposition al, the my students would recognize. And it's the same word as the Spirit of God, Merhavet, over the face of the waters, Al. So right. it's definitely this above thing. Now, could it be that they're above him in station, as in in rank somehow? Um, that's The word station there is kind of like they'd been set there to keep watch type thing. Hmm. So I don't know, arguing with myself here, but it's definitely weird. Yeah. Well, and also because it says he bowed himself on the land, which Mm. why specify the land? Like, okay, is he going to bow on something else? Right, because we would expect it to say ground otherwise. Yeah, or not mentioned at all. Just Just he bowed or knelt, (laughs) right? Um, Well, it's hard to bow on this guy, George. (laughs) Well, exactly. So uh, it's, to me, an odd additional descriptor of uh, that's not necessarily... Uh, relevant, right? Well, uh, maybe it's he bowed so severely that it wasn't just, you know, a little at the waist action. It was chucking yourself at the ground. Yeah, maybe. I was going to ask if there's a difference between bowing and kneeling mm-hmm. um, because we've talked about kneeling quite a bit right. in the text previous to this, but I think this is the first time we see bow and bowed. Yes. Um, so there is a difference. Um, and this is the word that's usually translated worship um, in the text, which is always interesting. That comes from our Indo-European ideals where we get the word worship from. Um, but it really just says bow. So I'm of the persuasion that we should translate them all to say bow. So I kept it there. I presume that they usually have it say bow because they don't want, you know, Abraham potentially worshiping some random guys, even if they are floating. Um, so just a, just a note there. 
Yeah, it kind of made me think of Melchizedek, mm-hmm. uh, you know, another random person seemingly from the wilderness who comes and cares for guests. Right. Uh, and, and in that offers uh, a sort of communion. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And here we have Avram. And, and, uh, being Melchizedek to yeah, other people. Yeah, being Melchizedek to other people and offering uh, uh you know, food and water and rest in the wilderness. Right. Um, the three measures, by the way, one measure is about two gallons of flour. Okay. If you think of a milk jug of flour, which if you've made a lot of pizza, that's about one pizza per person, uh, mm. which is a lot, but not like an enormous, huge. Um, I think I was kind of led to believe that it was like a whole bakery mountains of, flour, of mountains bread. of cake um because it doesn't say bread it says cake but it's a that makes about as much as a pizza so okay interesting um well i i want to talk about that uh in a little bit but okay. uh, returning to verse two right uh i also wanted to look at uh, the portion that says he ran to call them from the opening of the tent. Mm-hmm. And I was curious, is that he ran to call them as in he ran to the opening of the tent to call them or is he ran from the opening of the tent to call them? Because in verse one, he's already sitting in the opening of the tent. Yes, he's at the opening of the tent and then he runs from there. Gotcha. To check himself at the ground. Okay, okay, that makes more sense. I wasn't quite sure, so... Um, I wanted to check on that. Um, And then in verse 3, it says, uh, or rather he says, please do not pass from over your servant. Yes. So we have, I mean, again, if they're floating, which my logical mind doesn't know, like what the beautiful thing about them floating would be, unless, Mm -hmm. unless they're like the winged protectors from the previous. They could be, right? Uh, What if that's... I, I don't know why they would use the word men to describe fantastical floating beings, but... Well, I mean, it's also potentially, right, they're coming to, again, talk to him about the promise that God has made and the covenant and all of that. And well, we do have the... They aren't. They're just on their way to destroy Sodom or to check on Sodom. They're not going to tell him anything about the covenant. I mean, they do, though, right? They say, God speaks. God speaks and says, hey, yo, why doesn't your wife know anything about this covenant? Right. Which we'll get to. But um, it doesn't say that they say anything. It just says that God speaks. Right. But my point is that in chapter 15, uh, there's the smoking cauldron and a torch of fire that passes over the cut pieces. Right. So... I don't oh, know. this passing over motif. Yes, just uh, yes, yeah, specifically about. the passing over. Yeah, it uh, it'll come up again at the end too, and I had to translate it out, unfortunately, in a couple of the lines. But it's a motif throughout this whole chapter. He's saying pass over them, and then later at the end, God will say, "In the passing over of them, I will not destroy them." Basically, mm-hmm. um, and that gets translated into on account of them, which is unfortunate right whatever um but yeah it also lends itself to team floating which i would not like to be on team floating but i also don't know you know what else to do with all of this evidence so right hard to say um moving on i also wanted to talk about 
what he does here because uh, he brings them some water. Mm-hmm. He has uh, his wife make some bread, right? May I bring a morsel of bread to sustain your heart, which I want to talk about the sustain your heart passage. But okay. um, before I get there, he brings a morsel of bread and then he also gets a calf, a calf presumably. presumably, right? We often translate that calf. I see you have son of the herd. I do, because that's what it says, which is weird. Right. Because there is is a word for calf. Um, I think it's foreshadowing of the sacrifice of Isaac um, story. It could be, yeah. I think that's why it says son instead of calf. Okay. Baby cow. Right. Yeah, I I was trying to think about, like, why a son of something. But, yeah, I think you're right. That's what I would uh, go to. But... Uh, I was also thinking about the fact that Avraham is giving aid to travelers in the wilderness, mm-hmm. and uh, his aid consists of water and bread and meat. And cheese. There's cheese in there. Curds. Is there curds? Yeah. Okay. Um, but it made me think of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness, and God gives them water mm-hmm. and manna and mm-hmm. quail, which yeah. is you know kind of a return of that favor so to speak. Yes, so. they're just missing the curds. Well, maybe we would have to find the curds. <laughs> Somewhere. <laughs> along the way. <laughs> along the way. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. She did there. <laughs> Anyways, oh so I don't know. Could be a connection there. Um, but sustain your heart mm-hmm. is odd. Why the heart? Uh, I mean, if I was wandering around in the desert off to go kill a bunch of people, my heart would need sustaining. Um, and some cheese might do the trick. All right. <laughs> Satisfy that addiction. Uh, I mean, you, you know, he, true hospitality isn't just meeting your actual needs of your organs. It's also taking care of your spirit, your being, you know, and so sustain your heart gets toward that. Sure. We can go with that. Did you have something more I don't. epic and theological? Okay. I have no idea. All right. I just thought it was odd. All right. So we kind of briefly mentioned Son of the Herd, um, which was something that I was going to uh, point out. But um, the next thing, unless you have something else that I wanted to discuss, is this uh, in verse 9, where is Sarah, your woman? Indeed. Why isn't she included, son? Yeah. Uh I mean, so my first thought was they are saying to him, where is Sarah, your woman? Because she hasn't shown up with the bread yet. It says that he has served them the curds Mm -hmm. and the cow and the water. Right. Uh, But there's no bread. It's milk. Yeah. They don't eat any bread ever. Well, that's more negative, George. (laughs) I mean, I think you're... It's an apt observation, but I'd rather that she's not the Olive Garden waitress here. Uh, but I see what you're saying. Maybe it's because it takes a while to bake some cakes. Thank you very much. Well, you know, to be fair, it takes a while to kill a goat and cook it too, or sheep or whatever it is, cow. It takes a while to kill a live animal and bring it over. So who knows? Who knows, George? Uh, right. I mean, uh, maybe. Uh, perhaps that they are less concerned about the bread and more want to point out to Avraham that he's still not including his wife. Right. Um, that is my preferred reading for sure. And so they ask, where is 
Sarah, which right. they know. It's again, Maybe. it's depending well, on who they depending are. Depending on who they are, but God is obviously here, right? And also, they don't know who Sarah is. I mean, he hasn't introduced himself yet. He hasn't been like, "Hey, I'm Avram, and this is my wife back there, Sarah." And right. Good to meet y'all. What are your names? That hasn't happened. So they're like, "Thank you for the food. Where is the name of your wife?" You know. Right. It's pretty dramatic. And he says, she's in the tent. Look. Well, he says, behold. I mean, usually we translate, look here, behold. I think it's funny to bring back there. Behold, get off my back. She's in the tent. She's back there. And then it doesn't even say that Yahweh says it yet. It just says, he said, returning, I will return to you in the appointed time of life. So either one of the three men says that, or just like a voice in the trees says that. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that also, because when I was looking at some of the other translations, like uh, the ESV just presumes it's God. And so they say the Lord with like the all caps, the Lord, like, like definitely uh, making an assumption there. Taking a stance. They are, which I was surprised by. Uh, The NIV is vague and just says, then one of them said this. Okay, filling Uh, in the blanks. Right, and the KJV sticks with, and he said. So similar to what you have here. Just All right, he, KJV, bringing it. Yeah, uh, yeah, that stood out to me. Like ESV, come on, what are you, what are, what are you doing? What are you doing there? Just Making adding that in. Making choices for listeners, right. or readers. Um, and then, uh, I will return to you around the appointed time of life. Right. Which is an interesting thing to say. Um, the ESV and the NIV both say this time next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is kind of just taking away or taking that from the previous chapter. Right. God says that. Right. But if you do that, you take away the time frame, right? Right. Because it's not exactly the, the same time, time next year because that's already happened. Right. Time has passed. Although it's only been, I mean, he's still recovering from his circumcision probably. Um, does it say that? No, it doesn't. Okay. I was taught that, but. So maybe maybe a bunch of time has passed and he's just chilling out during the day. Right. Um, I mean, there's oh, there's I feel like there's a general assumption that he's recovering from the circumcision, right? I I agree with you that I've always heard that presented as that's what's happening. But it doesn't say that. But it doesn't say that. Uh, it just says he's sitting in the opening of the tent in the, the heat, heat of, of the, the day. day, and we read into that saying, oh well, he's sitting in the opening of the tent because he's recovering, and that's why breeze. he's sitting down. Right. So I have two theories on the appointed time of life. Okay. Actually, three. One, the first one's the most nebulous, and they're just saying the time at which Yitzhak is conceived is like the time of life because he's new life. Hmm. Um, that's the most artistic rendering. Um, the second idea would be they're saying, you know, next time you ovulate, the appointed time at which it's possible for you to have a baby, right? Um will show back up right or god will thankfully not all three of them well Um, the midrash says that sarah never shows up with the bread because her cycle starts at that moment and therefore the bread is unclean oh well thank you rabbis uh interesting i'll have to think about that okay and the third thing is you know i'm always trying to point out wherever zodiac words are in the text and appointed time appointed time is one of those um it's, it's talking about in the cycle of the year there is an appointed time it goes back to the signs and seasons thing in genesis one but um so. uh, also like um i'm trying to remember where it um 
I feel like there's a New Testament passage that has to do with the appointed time. Hmm. Uh, Probably like the time of Jesus's return or something. Yeah, maybe. It's just, I don't know what it is. It's just, it's just there. It's just, just there in my it brain. Out there. Like, yeah, yeah. Putting it on the table. Yep. Okay. I'm sure our listeners will be on top of it. <laughs> um, so it could be in reference to that, like the appointed time of life being the beginning of the next year um, in the calendar, which would be, you know, our Aries, um, which of course they had a different word for. But anyway, so those are my three theories. I'm okay with any of them. They all work for me. If it was Aries and then for Yitzchak, a ram shows up, bum, bum, bum. If you don't know, Aries is the sign of the ram. Okay. So that would be auspicious, but you know, whatever. Get to heaven as any one of those three, I'll be fine. Okay. Well, it then says, continuing in uh, verse 10, that Sarah shamad at the opening of the tent behind him. Mm-hmm. So... She is there. She is listening. She is. She is rolling with the conversation behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes this kind of uh, expositional comment. Uh, Avraham and Sarah were old and coming in days. Sarah had ceased to be of the way of the woman. And then she laughs within herself to say, after I've been worn out, shall I have luxurious delight? That's which, just the word Eden. Right. Which... I've thought was super interesting. Uh, my Lord is old, which is like burn, throwing <laughs> yeah. it on Avraham, which to be fair, I feel like it's come up a couple of times that if Avraham was more on uh, with it, things right. would have progressed already. Well, in the last chapter, right, we talked about Avraham did this exact same thing. So all of our pastors need to take it down five notches because Avraham did this exact same scene. He yeah. laughs, he falls over, yeah. and he says, he laughs saying, Sarah's old. And then God says, what are you laughing about, basically? And he says, oh, it's that I am old. Right. <laughs> well, so they're thinking about it, each other. Yeah. Well, and furthermore uh god doesn't reprimand sarah here no which is also totally put in there i mean yeah. he does say no for you did laugh but he doesn't say shame on you boosh boosh right. is the word for shame but he does go to avraham and say what the heck what's your problem yeah have you not told her about this yet why is she laughing why is she surprised by this statement right so just taking a second here i was always taught to read this as this patriarchal thing of God only is speaking to the head of the household. So he'll call her out on her BS and then he'll go to the head of the household and tell on her. Um, but what I think is really going on is, um, he's saying, Hey, yes, head of the household. Why have you not looped your partner in on the covenant and the promise that I gave you? She's apparently unaware and it's been Two chapters? How many years has it been? And you haven't told her, by the way, God showed up and told me that it would be you to have my child. Hello? Yeah. Well, enrolling with that uh, Eden theme, mm-hmm. right? It kind of resembles Adam conveying to Eve about the tree, mm. right? And I find it interesting here that God does not repeat the same thing that Sarah says. Explain that. Uh, He says, why did Sarah laugh saying, it is sure that I will birth a child. I am old. Sarah does not say I am old. She says that Avraham is old. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, he uh, <laughs> covers up for a little bit there. <laughs> um, or, you know, she says to herself, he's old, but internally she's thinking it's really her problem. Either way, I'm okay with. Perhaps. I, I think that... Uh... I think that God is trying to maintain her honor. Well, yes, but I think God is trying to uh, uh, get Avraham engaged a little bit, uh, mm. right? Uh, you would hope so. If he wasn't king passive, sitting in the back seat this yeah. whole time, hopefully saying your wife feels like she's too old to be part of this promise would activate him to go do some, you know, care and nurturing. Yeah. Uh, we don't see that, though. He just yeah. keeps arguing with God. Right. But I feel like this the continued statement in verse 14 is absolutely directed at Abraham. Right? God's saying, do you still not think that I can do this? Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you haven't told your wife about it? Yeah. Like, you're keeping this under wraps because you're still hoping you'll figure out something else in the meantime and sneak right. it by everyone. Um, so... Um, yeah. Sketch. Sketchy. And he gets called out on it. And then in verse 15, uh, when she lies and says, I did not laugh, um, it says it's because she was afraid, mm. uh, which uh, you could tie that back again to the Garden of Eden, right? right? Um, Why are where, you hiding? Right, exactly. Uh, but also, again, step it up, Abraham. Right. Right? Why is she afraid? Yep. Um, what's going on here? Yep. Um, so, um, yeah, I just wanted to, to say that because I feel like it's it's a relevant conversation that should be had. Right. Um, and also an invitation. God continues to use people who don't have their marriages all figured out and doesn't don't have, you know, all their ethics figured out, and God uses Abraham anyway. Right. So... Moving on to our second section. The guys just get up and leave at this point. Bye. Yeah. We're out of here. We got stuff to do, and you guys got some things to figure out. So they head out, and Avraham walks with them to send them on their way. Very nice. Very hospitable. Right. Very hospitable, but also get back in your house. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Probably cultural, but also if I was them... Or I, if I was Abraham, I'd be like, "So, where are you guys going now?" You know, like, "Oh, I'll just, I'll just walk just you out." Just tag along, yeah. hey guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he does follow them, and in verse seventeen, Yahweh said, "Am I covering what I am doing from Abraham?" Which uh, I find fascinating that God is concerned about whether or not Abraham knows what's going to happen. Right, so God never asks us to do things that he doesn't himself also do. So God's just, you know, lambasted Avraham for not being inclusive to Sarah and being like, this is what's going on. And now he's doing that with himself. Hey, am I including Avraham, who's my partner in this thing? Right. Uh, Super interesting modeling from God here. Right. Well, and also um, I was reading Rashi on this, and he points out that this is the land and the people that God has promised to Avraham that mm. Avraham is supposed to be blessing. Mm-hmm. And God's on his way to go destroy the place. 
And he's like, do I keep this secret from Avraham, who I've given this promise to? Right. Or do I allow him to live up to that promise and take a stance? Right. Um, so I feel like I, I, I agree with that. I feel like there's that going on here. It makes me think of the voice in the wilderness passage, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Avraham's supposed to be out there uh making straight the path of the Lord, right? right. Blessing all those people, right. uh, being present um, yeah. and walking in his calling. It um, makes me think of uh, the word, the root word behind Philistine is a refugee word. Hmm. So that whole time, again, God's people are supposed to be sent to take care of the pillage theme. Right. Um, and instead they spend the whole time fighting them. Right. Well, and I think that's reinforced with verses 18 and 19, in which he reiterates again the fact that these people are going to be blessed by him. Right. Um, and I feel like that's in there specifically to draw our attention to that. And it says they will guard the path of Yahweh to do justice and just judgment in order that Yahweh may cause to arrive over Avraham, the world that is over him. The word. Uh, the word, yeah. Um, and that's talking about Avraham's legacy, right? Right. Um, this idea. Yeah. Um, so um, I liked that teaching. Um, I think it brings a lot of meaning into um, the, the scene. Into the scene, yeah. Um, and so we do have uh, Avraham uh, making that attempt. So right. he, 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 does, he does come and try to... Uh, reason with God over this. And there was another uh, uh, teaching about the Abraham drew near and mm. talking about how drawing near in the text is usually has to do with um, either some sort of conflict arising or deal making or, um, you know, uh, uh, something being like a blessing being transferred, mm. some sort of, of, uh, uh, deal between two parties or Interesting. right so it's definitely also a sexual connotation um hmm. which i obviously don't think that's what's going on here but i think it's funny that that was left off of the list <laughs> well it was a long list but okay it could have been in there sure so uh, that's my yes. bad for leaving that off you can blame that on me no worries okay so yeah and before he draws near he also just kind of announces right god announces the cry of Sodom and amorah because it was great they very much missed the mark heavily and i would like to talk about that portion before we go on yeah because the there's a logic cause and effect here that i think is super important and i've always missed in the english before um so the their cry and i've always read that it's a cry against Stom and amora and it's not at all it's the cry of them it's in smichut form again for my right students and so the idea that there's the word against in there is just baloney um so they are crying out um whether that's the poor within the city or the oppressed within the city um and there's lots of midrash about that but um anyway it's the cities that's crying out and because that cry is great that means that they've sinned right because i'm translating sin as missed the mark um Mm -hmm. 
because there is a great cry of suffering of some kind, right? Um, that means that they have missed the mark heavily and it's not the other way around. And I think a lot of times when we think about sin, we're like sin leads to destruction and suffering. And here God's saying that it's flipped because there is an outcry. That means that there is sin going on heavily. It's the word for glorious, but of course we wouldn't translate it to be glorious sin. Right. (laughs) Right. It's heavy sin. Um, and he's going to go down and investigate this cry specifically, not their sin. Which one is God more uh, more worked up about? It's the cry of the, the suffering ones, right. not, not the sin. That's not what's on his mind. Very yeah. Interesting. So in verse 21, I would see this cry which has come to me that they have made together. Right. Um, and I was looking at specifically that made together mm-hmm. word, mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, kala. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, we typically see as all together. Uh, it seems to have this kind of connotation of completeness, but it's not the same as complete. Mm-hmm. But showing this collective suffering, uh, united suffering. Right. Um, Takes away from a victim, aggressor type yeah. um, narrative. But yeah, it's also one of the... One of the characteristics as God as a good judge is that he always comes down. Like in the Tower of Babel story, mm. it says that he came down to see what was going on, which is kind of preposterous because he's God and he's omniscient and omnipresent, right? Um, but we always see him coming down and modeling that for us, taking the time to be present and dwell with the people that we're, you know, judging. Right. I wanted to take a moment to look at some of the personification that's put into the people Stone. living in the city. Oh, okay. Um, the ones that are within her belly. Yeah. Uh, we also have the face of Stom. So first, they're oh yeah, they're standing. The face, yeah. Yep. And now she has the belly. Yep. They're in there. Yeah. Super interesting. Um, and then this, uh, you would be pierced through to do a thing like this. Yeah, that's usually translated like, God forbid, which is funny because he's saying God forbid to God. Um, but if you look at the root of klal, it's a chalala, which is very fun to say. Chalala. Yeah. Um, it's the word to bore through something or to pierce through. And right. So literally, it's, I would rather be pierced through than do this thing when we say, God forbid that this thing come to pass, right? So he's right. saying, you would rather be pierced through than have an injustice done, which ding, ding, ding. Jesus yeah. foreshadowing. Yeah, well, and also I feel like calling back to the covenant that God made, mm. right? Where he takes both both portions upon himself. Right, and he um, points the bow at the sky. Yeah, so that piercing through being a result of that action. Right. Um, and then also there was that uh, a couple of times, I think, uh, Abraham mentioning crushed dust <laughs> crushed trash uh, crushed dust and ashes yep uh, which made me think back to you were talking about uh, previously the uh, in chapter 17 I think the standing stones that would mm-hmm. be erected maybe it's 15 the standing stones that would be uh, erected during a covenant oh uh-huh. right that would be carved into. Uh, and then how those would be broken down and crumbled. Right, if it had been overturned somehow. Yeah. It's an interesting connection. 
Um, yeah, I like the idea of Jesus being in the story of Stom and Amora. Sure. Um, and I like the fact that throughout all of Avraham's interactions with with God, as limited as they are, you know, we can still probably count them on one hand, and um, that he knows that it's not in God's character um, to destroy people. Although I do think it's interesting that Avraham's concern is you shouldn't deal with the just people the same way you deal with the tumultuous people. Hmm. And then God comes back around and says, I would save all of the place, right? He says, I would lift all of the place. Right. So he's saying, hey, what about these just people? And God says, it's my, you know, further will to save everyone. Dun, dun, dun. Anything else in this last portion before we wrap up? Um, I'm sure the numerology folks out there will, can do something cool with 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. Right. They'll be all over it. <laughs> They'll be all over it. Oh, uh, one more footstep is uh, interesting to me. So it's palm, and that can be the word for a step, or it can be the word for a strike on an anvil. Um uh, that's toward the end there. Please, my Lord, do not burn with anger and I will speak just one more footstep. So it's kind of the idea that he's pacing around while he's yeah. talking. And then, to me, that has some sort of like rhythmic, right? If you think right. about strikes on an anvil footstep, it's repetitive. Right. Right. Um, he's almost um, saying, I'm, I'm repeating myself here, but listen, just one more time. Right. And I've always heard uh, flack given to Avraham uh, about stopping at 10 and maybe he did, but I get the impression from the very last line, Yahweh walked as he finished speaking to Avram. Right, he's still talking. He just leaves in the middle of he it. He just rolls. Um, and I mean, I like the teaching that Avraham should have kept going and tried to save everybody. Um, I think that's a meaningful teaching, but it also seems like God's just like, okay, we're done here. Right, as he finished speaking. Not once he had finished speaking. Right, or after he had yeah. finished speaking. And so he goes back to his place, which is also interesting. He doesn't run down there and try to save anyone. He's like, well, sucks to be you. So there's always something more Avraham could have done. But Yeah, there's yeah. I, I definitely feel like there's some... Um... You can go either direction when arguing for or against Avraham here. Right. Um, there's no clear cut. Yes, he is doing it all right or doing it all wrong. It's kind of somewhere in the middle. Yes. So. As it often is in life. All right. Anything else? That is all I had for this chapter. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. This has been the Text and Us podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that you will join us again when we review chapter 19 of the text. Yep. Feel free to send in your questions by email to elgriverfricks at gmail.com, and I'll get back to you. Have a good one.